0: The latter part of this chapter that we read together earlier, Acts chapter 3, uh, contains the great sermon that Peter preached uh, to the crowd that had gathered that day in, res- in response to the healing of the lame man. We, we read it earlier, the-, the first part of the chapter details this account of how Peter and John were going up to the temple and this man who was lame from birth, laid there at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms, Peter, fastening his eyes upon him and saying those well-known words, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And we know of course what happened, that the power of Christ, working through the apostles, saw this man raised up, who had been lame from his birth. The result was that a large crowd had gathered, and uh, they really had gathered because they were excited. They were full of excitement at this miracle that they had just witnessed. It wasn't every day that they uh, came across a lame man being healed and being uh, being restored to health again. Peter preaches to the crowd who were gathered there, and one of his goals in that message was to get their focus off the excitement of this miracle that they had witnessed and to get their focus upon God and their personal relationship to him. And he tells them very clearly that it is only through Christ, the one whom they they had denied and crucified, but whom God had raised again from death, that it was only through him that they could be brought back into a right relationship with God. That's the truth, the, 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 the fundamental truth of the gospel that Peter led before the people that day. Only through Christ, the one whom they had crucified, but whom God had raised again from death, only through him could they know what it is to be reconciled to God as individuals and be brought back into that right relationship with him. But Peter doesn't stop there. Our personal relationship with God is important. Every human being, no matter who we are, no matter what part of the globe we might come from, every human being needs to be reconciled to God. That is where the gospel starts. But it doesn't finish there. And that is why Peter went on to tell these people something more here. He went on to tell them that not only is salvation a personal matter, but it also salvation is something that concerns the entire universe. Our personal salvation is a vital part of it, but it's not the whole of it. God's great plan of salvation, it includes the entire universe. He talks in verse 21, about the restitution or the restoring of all things. That is God's ultimate goal in his great plan of salvation. Not merely our personal salvation and deliverance, although it does include that, but also the deliverance of the entire universe. That's the great truth that Peter sets before the crowd here on that day. What Peter is saying to the crowd is basically this. What happened to this lame man is a foretaste of what is going to happen someday to the whole universe. He was this man. He was lame. He was was crippled. He couldn't walk, but he has been made whole again. He's now walking and, and leaping and praising God. He has, as he said in verse 16, this perfect soundness or this perfect health in in the presence of you all. Well, Peter says, well, that is an illustration of what God, through Christ, is going to do someday to the entire creation. So as we we consider these words of Peter here, there are three things that I, I want you to consider. First of all, the reforming of this world, the reforming of this world. You know, God has a plan for this world, this whole universe in which we live. We may look around us tonight, we may listen to our news and think that things are chaotic in our world. There are wars, there are pestilences, there are are all kinds of things that are happening and it seems like our world is out of control. That things are just happening. That that really, there's no one in control of it all. But friends, that is far from the truth. God is in control of this entire universe, and absolutely everything that's happening in our world tonight is happening because God has a plan and a purpose for the entire world and the entire creation. Through Christ, Peter tells us here, someday the entire world is going to be delivered and restored. But the question is, when will this happen and how will it happen? And whenever we look at Peter's answer to that question, we see that it is completely Contrary to the thinking of the world. Completely contrary to the thinking of modern man. Peter tells us here that this deliverance lies in the future. It's a great event to which all of creation and indeed all of history is moving toward. This this great day when God is going to restore the entire universe. In contrast, what is the world always looking for and striving toward? The world is always looking to and striving for the reforming and the improving of this present world in which we live. That is why many people have a great interest in politics. Why they get so worked up at times of elections. They think that that, that the politician, their kind of politician, is going to bring in this legislation and and bring in certain laws that are just going to reform the world, reform our nation. That that, that is their great hope and their great great, uh, goal in life is to see this present world reformed and, and, and made better. They want... The world and world conditions to be made right. They want an end to all of the injustices. They want some sort of security and happiness. And that's why we have all of these movements in our in, in our even in our own nation tonight that are uh, advocating passionately for things like climate change and people's rights and and, and racism and, and and all of these issues that are confronting us all of the time on our news. People are so passionate about these things. They It all centers, you see, upon this present world. They want to reform this world by their legislation and by better education and so on. Now, we must say that there, there's nothing wrong with trying to improve world conditions. That in itself, there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Why... Why do things the hard way and why have things difficult when we could have them easier? There's nothing wrong with trying to improve things in our world. But what is the goal of the world in trying to reform this present world? If you look carefully, you will find that the world's goal is to try and make it easier and more comfortable for themselves To continue in their rebellion against God. That's what they want. What they were advocating yesterday in the streets of our capital city is nothing less than just having their rights and having the the conditions in our nation to make it more comfortable and easy for them to continue in their sin and in their rebellion against God. That is why the world tonight has no interest in the gospel. They are only interested in themselves, their selfish little lifestyles. And if they feel that there's something or someone that is hindering them from having their sinful, selfish little lifestyle, well, they'll be out in the streets protesting, wanting those things removed so that they can have it more easy to sin and rebel against god friends that is what lies behind all of these things that we're seeing advocated and pushed upon us in these days and you see this is why the world has no interest in the gospel and in christianity and the christian message you see the gospel doesn't give the world what they want They want something in the here and now. They want the reforming of this present world. But the gospel doesn't offer that to them. Many have that mistaken idea about Christianity. They think that Christianity is just a good moral uh, teaching, Christian ethics, a movement for world reform, that it's mainly political and social. And because people have this mistaken idea about Christianity, then because things haven't improved in the world, but rather have grown worse, then they reject the gospel. They don't believe it. They say, ah, the, the gospel has been in the world. Christianity has been in the world for, for 2,000 years now. But, but look at the state of the world. Are things not worse now than they ever were before? Well, what good or what use is your, is your Christian gospel? Look at the state of the world. Far from reforming it, they, the world would say Christianity has made the world a worse place. But you see, friends, the truth is Christianity has never promised to reform this present world. There is nothing in the Bible which teaches that. That is not the purpose of the gospel. Peter, in this sermon here, he, he doesn't mention anything about world reform. He doesn't talk about going out to, to preach the gospel in order to make people's lives better. Now, that's where the health, wealth and, and prosperity gospel goes so badly wrong. They think that the gospel promises us a better life better health and wealth and prosperity and so on. But friends, the gospel never ever promised those things to us. Never. And because people don't get those things from the gospel, therefore they reject it. And so we find that Peter, he doesn't He doesn't tell the crowd that day who were gathered there in in, in excitement at this miracle, the healing of this this man. He he doesn't tell them, if you believe this gospel, you will have all of your physical ailments met, uh, just just like this man. Not at all. That's not what he offered to the, the crowd that day. So what did he offer? What did he point the people to? That brings us to our second point, which is not only the reforming of the world, but secondly, the return of Christ. The return of Christ. Verse 20, he says, "...and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive, until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began." Here is Peter, the first preacher in the Christian church. This large crowd is gathered here in excitement at this miracle that they had just witnessed. Peter doesn't offer them any quick fixes for their problems and for the problems of the world. But rather what Peter does is he points them to a great event that is going to take place in the distant future. He had just told them about Christ, the one whom they had denied and crucified. He died upon the cross. He was buried in a tomb, but he didn't stay there. God raised him again from the dead. And what happened after that? Verse 21, whom the heaven must receive. Forty days after he was uh, raised from the dead, he ascended back to heaven. Heaven received him. The ascension took place and if you turn back to chapter 1 of the Acts in the verse 9 we have the the account there of of Christ ascending it says in verse 9 chapter 1 and when he had spoken these things while they beheld he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. He passed through the heavens and into heaven itself. And he took his place at the right hand of God, and there he still is today. And what's he doing there? He's reigning. Hebrews 10, 13. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Christ took his place on heaven's throne at the right hand of the Father and there he is reigning. Folks, get that truth into your heart tonight. Our world leaders, our politicians, our great world governments are not in control of this world. The Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died, rose again, ascended back to heaven, he is the one who is reigning. And in his sovereign reign, he is allowing wicked men to have their little day. And we witnessed that yesterday, didn't we? Christ allowing wickedness and evil to have its little day. But it's all under his control. Folks, this is why this world will never be a perfect one. They're wasting their time ultimately in trying to reform this world because it will never happen. As long as sin is in this world and Christ is sovereignly allowing sin and its consequences to be in this world, still under his control, he allows it to go so far and then he stops it. But he's allowing it in in this present age and that is why this present world will never be a perfect one. Never. There are enemies that are working against us all of the time. But all of that is one day going to come to an end. First Corinthians 15, 24 to 25 says, Then cometh the end. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. And when will that day be? Verse 20 in our text, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Jesus Christ, the Son of God is coming back into our world. The heavens must retain him until God sends him again. And where is he coming back to? He's coming back to this world. Acts 1 and verse 11, this same Jesus, the words of the the angels to the disciples as they stood gazing into heaven after Christ had ascended, they said, this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. How will he come? In the same manner as they have seen him go into heaven. He will come visibly and bodily. His second coming will be very different from his first coming. It will not be as a helpless babe lying in a manger that he will come the second time but it will be as King of kings and Lord of lords. The one who is presently reigning on heaven's throne is coming back to our world and he's coming to reign as King of kings and as Lord of lords. He will come riding on the clouds of heaven in power and great glory, surrounded by the angels, surrounded by all of the saints. And what will happen when he comes? That brings us to our third point, not only the reforming of the world, the return of Christ, but thirdly, the restoration of the universe. The restoration of the universe. Verse 21, "...whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began." Why will God send Jesus Christ back into this world? Peter tells us it's for the restitution or the restoration of all things. Friends, this is God's great and ultimate plan and purpose. Not to merely save some people and then whisk them off to sit on a cloud somewhere playing a harp. What childish ideas sometimes we entertain in regard to heaven and the the future glory. No, God's purpose, Peter reminds us here, is to restore, to reconstitute all things. This is the only and final step that is left in God's great plan and purpose. Everything else has been accomplished. All that remains is for Christ to come again and to perfect it all with the everlasting glory. The restoration, the restitution of all things. We need to ask the question, why does this world need to be restored? And the answer is, it is because the world in which you and I live tonight is not the world as God originally created it. God created this world perfect. He created man perfect. He created a perfect garden, paradise, in which he placed that perfect man that he had made. He had a perfect purpose for man to fulfil when he placed him in that paradise. What was that purpose? It was to perfectly glorify and to enjoy God, his creator. He he gave him the position of being Lord over creation, the one responsible for it. That was God's plan and purpose. But then sin came in. Man rebelled against God. He became a rebel sinner against his maker. He brought God's curse not only upon himself, but upon all of creation for which he was responsible. That is why even nature tonight works against us. So much that we try to do in life, it seems that uh, nature itself just is working against us. Things just don't work the way we want them to. And that is because God's curse is upon the entire creation, even upon nature itself, because of man's sin. This is why we have all of the problems that we have in the world. Sickness, sorrow, heartache, weakness, and even death itself. All of these things that we we struggle with in our own personal lives, the things that we witness on our news, in our world, all of these things are because of God's curse upon creation because of man's sin. So, is God's plan and purpose now defeated? Does God now have to resort to plan B because plan A didn't work out because of man's sin, the power of sin? Absolutely not. God's purpose is to restore all things to put everything in the entire creation back the way it was. God doesn't have a plan B. God only has one plan. The plan that he originally had. And even though sin has come in and wrought all of its devastating consequences in our world. And in our own personal lives. Yet God is going to restore all things again. He's going to put man back into paradise. Satan and sin are not going to have the final word. God will. Turn over to Romans chapter 8 for a moment. Romans chapter 8, where Paul gives us a wonderful commentary on this wonderful event that Peter is speaking of here, this, this day of the, the, the restitution, the, the restoring of the, the entire creation. Romans chapter 8 and verse 19. This creation's present state, according to the Apostle Paul here. What state are the heavens and the earth now in? He says they're in a state of vanity. Man's sin and rebellion against God brought the curse of God upon this world and upon life in this world. Everything is in a state of vanity or futility. Everything is not fulfilling the function for which God intended them at the beginning. But Paul tells us that creation is waiting for something. It's stretching its neck, earnestly looking for something. And what is that? What is it waiting for? He tells us the manifestation of the sons of God. What is this manifestation of the sons of God. This is referring to what God one day is going to do with all of us as his people. Whenever Christ comes again at the end of the world, what God is going to do, and this is, this is a wonderful truth to, to get a hold of, child of God, God is going to line us up, as it were, his people. He's going to put us on open display, as it were the manifestation, as Paul says, of the sons of God. We're going to be put upon open display. The devil himself and all the hordes of hell and all of creation and and all, all mankind are going to behold the sons of God. They're going to see God's great, saving, redeeming work within us. That work is going to It's going to shine forth, as it were, and be be openly and publicly manifested for all to see. And when he does this, his glory is going to be revealed in us, as as, as Paul says in in verse 18. You know, think of the inspection of the guards of honour. Whenever a head of state or a head of government makes a state visit to a foreign country, what happens is, and you, you've seen this, I'm sure, on your television screens at times. Soldiers are lined up in their pretty uniforms, and they're openly displayed for the dignitary to view. They're put on on open display for their for their glory and, and beauty to be seen. I'm sure you've seen our, our late Majesty as she as she walked amongst those ranks of soldiers as they stood there in all of their glory and in their, in, their, in their lovely uniforms. They were put on open display for Her Majesty to view. Well, folks, at the end of the world, God is going to line us up, as it were, as his children, and we're going to be put upon open display. The wonders of his grace are going to be manifested for all to see. They will see his workmanship within us. They will see that we are there, not through anything that we have done, but we're there because of the grace of God and what the grace of God in Christ has wrought and done for us. And Paul tells us here that the whole of creation is going to share in this. Verse 21, he says that the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Paul tells us very clearly here that all of creation, not just us people, believers, but all of the material creation is going to be delivered from its present state of corruption. Creation was cursed with man there at the beginning is going to be delivered with man, with us believers, at the end of the world. And Peter, in his epistle, he reminds us there in chapter 3, that this is what God promised through all the prophets since the world began. Chapter 3 and verse 13 of his second epistle, Peter said, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth God. Righteousness. Look, well, this is a whole study in itself. We're really just touching the the tip of the iceberg here, as it were. But this is God's great salvation. This is God's great plan from all eternity. This is what makes the gospel such a a glorious message in this hopeless world in which you and I find ourselves. when when our news gives us nothing at times, only what is depressing and discouraging as we look around us, yet we can rejoice tonight that as God's people we are part of his great plan and purpose, a plan and a purpose that is going to include the entire universe, and we will share in that glory forever. This is our destiny as the people of God. Our final home is not this old, sin-cursed world with all of its problems, with all of its difficulties. The coming glory, when God restores the entire creation, when he will put a glory upon it that wasn't even upon it at the beginning, and we will share in that, we'll be a part of that, the glory of the risen Christ himself will will shine through us and through us to all eternity. This is what you and I have to look forward to. And if you're in this meeting tonight and you're not saved, you've never come and trusted Christ as your saviour, then this is what you are going to miss out on for all eternity. And what a tragedy if you should live your life in this world, the few short years that are given to you, and then at the end of the day, to be shut out of this wonderful glory that's coming, when Christ comes again and restores all things, brings in his everlasting glory, friend, your greatest need tonight is to come as a repentant sinner to Christ, to forsake your sin that brought God's curse upon this world to forsake it and to look to Christ who bore your sin, who died for you, who came into this world the first time to put away sin and who's coming again to restore the entire universe. Only by coming to Christ, receiving salvation and eternal life from his hand, only then will you be a part of those Guards of honor, as it were, to experience that glory forever. Oh, friends, my prayer as we bring our meeting to a close tonight, that if you're not saved, if you don't have the assurance as you sit here tonight, that this is your eternal destiny. You know, when you come to Christ tonight, won't you seek him? Won't you look to him? Won't you receive salvation from his hand and be part of God's great plan and great purpose? for all eternity. May God give me the grace and help even to respond to his word. We're going to close.